I'm Andy Scarantino, and this is View from the Roof, formerly known as the Get the Fuck Off podcast. Every week, I'm going to be bringing you bits of goodness to not only help you get the fuck off the shit that doesn't serve you anymore, but also to get you to think deeper and wake up to the world around you. My mission over the last three years has been to make personal development digestible for those who are ready, but they maybe don't want to speak in a soft, whispery voice or sit in the lotus. Through sharing story and interviewing cool people who are important to me, I hope you'll be able to see the world in a new way. You don't have to sacrifice your outstanding personality, and all of this is quite the journey. I'm really excited to have you on that journey with me. Welcome to my View from the Roof. Okay, everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of View from the Roof, formerly known as the Get the Fuck Off podcast. Today, I have a very special guest, Dennis Patoko. I am so happy to have you on the podcast. This is really a great honor. Um, Before I allow you to introduce yourself, I do have to tell all of my listeners that Dennis just appeared out of thin air in my reality, uh, probably what, maybe nine, 10 months ago, maybe a year ago. I think it actually just has been a year. It was just my year anniversary. It's 360 nation. And, uh, here's a human being that, that told me about the work that he was doing in the world and offered me an opportunity to be a part of it with, with the statement that everything he does is for good, not for profit. And, there was no catch. There was no gimmick. There was no anything. Just did I want to be a part of what he was doing? And and I was like, well, there's got to be a catch. <laughs> but the, but it turns out there wasn't. And and over the last year, I have connected with some of the most remarkable people, some, one that has been on this show, more that are co- going to be on this show, and, and people that I, I have been blessed to know better and who are doing a, remarkable things in the world. And it's all because of this human that I'm sitting with right now. So, Dennis... <laughs> Uh, I would love for you to introduce yourself and tell me about 360 Nation and it, what you're doing and how you started doing it. And then I would love for us to just have a great conversation. Well, thanks for the question. Brace yourself. I'm going to give you the 30,000 foot view and then you can dig deeper if you'd like, because I don't want to dominate the entire time, but because we got quite a backstory here. But let me just give you how we got started and where we are today. And in the middle, we can connect the dots later, Andrea. But uh, great question. Um, I spent my, um, well, the better part of my life, about 35 years in banking, nothing to do with what we're talking about today or what we're doing. My wife, who I met along the way, was based in uh, England, and she was in a banking field as well. About I'm going to round these numbers. About 15 years ago, um, I had started businesses around the world somewhere along the line, sold all the businesses, decided to go back and settle down happily ever after in Tampa, Florida. And we were very blessed in doing that, Andrew, because what happened was we were relatively young, too young to retire, but we were faced with something very few people have, and that is choices. It's like the dog chasing the car. You finally catch the car. Now, what do you do with it? Well, here we were uh, able economically to do pretty much what we wanted. Uh, We weren't ready to retire. We weren't ready to play pickleball. Um, 
And so we said, let's take some long walks. Now, we've been doing those walks now for a lot of years, and that's where we get away from all the noise, noise being social media, noise being noise. And after a lot of walking, we decided we're going to do three things with our time, uh, all three of which are important to us. First one was we're going to travel. Now, that may sound not uh, breathtaking there, but we have both done a lot of business travel over the years. But if you've done business travel, it's airport, taxi, meeting room, back to the airport, blah, blah, blah. I can tell you I've been to a gazillion countries around the world, but I can't tell you much about them during my business time because I was focused on what the meeting was about, not about seeing, I was in Seoul, Korea, never really saw the town. So, and my wife did similar things in her business career. So we said, we're going to travel around the world intentionally. And what I mean by intentionally is we're going to skip America. We're going to start with everywhere else. We'll come back to America someday when we're too old and crotchety to get on an airplane. Uh, But we want to discover what many people haven't, and that is the rest of the world first, because I think the view of the world through the lens of being in that world is so much different than in in insular America, where roughly 60 percent of the people live in America still don't have a passport or haven't left the country. Yeah. So we said we're going to travel. So we started the travel thing. Second thing we wanted to do was keep our mind active. And that's where this thing called that grew into 360 Nation, but started out at Biz Catalyst 360 start. And I happen to be talking to you from Southampton, England, which is where this all started. Uh, I'm in a living room right now, as we would call where I come from. And the other room is a kitchen table. That kitchen table, I sat on that about 13 years ago. And I said to my wife, I'm going to start a website. And she said, why would you want to do that? I said, I want to keep my brain active. She said, you know nothing about doing that. I said, you're right. That's why I want to do it, because I have a vision of something I want to accomplish. And since I don't need to worry about a marketing board or a board of directors or a P&L or a business plan, I just want to see what happens. But I want to teach myself how to do it. I don't want to order a website and look like everybody else. So the theory was we're going to build this thing that I personally, and she would not mind visiting every morning. That was the thinking, and we're going to break all the rules in the publishing business because we can. So I went out to a bunch of people that were writing for Forbes, Huffington Post, and other places and said, tell me where it hurts. What's aggravating about writing for Forbes, for example? And boy, did I get the stories. So we cataloged all those um, complaints, if you will. And we said, we're going to do the opposite. We wanted to get to the point so we could say to people like Andy, Andy, You can write whenever you want about whatever you want. It can be poetry. It can be prose. It can be articles. It can be 10 pages long. It can be 10 words long. The subject matter is up to you. Uh, The only ground rules we have at a very basic level got to be respectful and it can't be mean-spirited. Otherwise, share your voice. Now, that was a theory back then. We didn't know it was going to work. We had a lot of people that said nobody will ever do that. Well, here it is. Well, 13 years later, we've got almost 1,100 writers on every continent except Antarctica. We published about 30,000 articles. We've won two awards. I'd like to tell you there was a business plan, Andy, but if there was, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah, so that's, I'm that, gonna make it my mission was, to get you a writer from Antarctica. In fact- If you I, would, I, 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 I would, you can write it for them. It can be, it be 10 lines of poetry. I wanna be able to say we're on all seven continents. Oh, and I'm gonna so, do it by this afternoon, my friend. I'm okay. doing it by digressing, this afternoon. Digressing, I've actually made contact with some of those. Uh, there's those stations that are set up there from around the world, like they're researching. I've actually tried to reach out to those people and say, you must communicate with somebody. Anyhow, so 
first part was travel. Second part was the uh, idea of building a website, which is now morphed into 360 Nation, which we can come back to later. So we're traveling. The website's not restricting our travel because, as you know, you can do it from anywhere. And the third thing was, oh, I'm sorry, back to the website. The core idea of the website was there will never be a pop-up. There will never be a charge for anything. We're not selling anything. Yeah. And so that was the core of that. The third thing was we both had a uh, desire over the years independently before we met. And then after we met, we wanted to give back. Now, a lot of people say those words, Andy, but they mean, well, writing a check or maybe volunteering once a month. Right. We said no. We're happy to do the time, the treasure, and the talent, but we want to roll up our sleeves and get in the trenches and make a real difference. So we started out in Tampa Bay volunteering, delivering meals. We're still doing the same route uh, this many years later. We started uh, volunteering on boards. I became chairman of boards. We did all the stuff you would do. And then we started looking a little more at the world and saying, wait a minute, Tampa Bay is a nice community. There's some thriving nonprofits. There's some big companies. So it's not that hard to do a fundraiser. But if you're sitting in Boise, Idaho, or you're sitting in Mumbai, India, you would just love to get some kind of attention from somebody because you've got a great mission and you've got all the passion behind it, but nobody knows you're sitting there. So we said, we're going to do something with that. With the wisdom that we had gained from building the website, we launched what's now called the Good Works 360 Foundation. It's a Tampa-based, but a Florida foundation, and it has one sole purpose, and that's our ability to go to any good nonprofit, and I really mean the word good, uh, any good nonprofit anywhere in the world and say, Andy, I know you're running a nonprofit there in Mumbai, India. Um, we'd like to help you and there will never be an invoice. We do all that virtually. We've been doing now for about four years. We've got about four dozen people like you and me that have business backgrounds that have volunteered what they can volunteer. They can volunteer their time and their talent, but they can't deliver meals. They don't have time. They can't do what we do. Uh, and strangely enough, our very first engagement in the world was in Mumbai, India, and it happened to be a startup Meals and Wheels operation in somebody's living room. Uh, so that's been going on. So we got those three different tentacles that became 360 Nation over time. And the reason it became 360 Nation is because people couldn't figure out what we were doing. We we're going in all these different directions. So we said, we're going to create 360 Nation because everything we're doing is intended to rediscover humanity at its best. You can tuck the nonprofit. You can tuck a lot of stuff we do. That's where it came from. And then since then, as you well know, we've built a lot of online forums. We do a lot of different things, which I won't bore you with right now. But that is the You're not boring anybody. Oh, no, that's where we <laughs> come from. And we have that unique ability to react, which means if Andy says something to me today, I'll make a note that say, boy, that's really interesting. And then within weeks, we can launch something new because we're not going down some assembly line. We've taught ourselves to do it. Now, with that comes the opportunity to do good things, but a great responsibility to do them right. So we do spend a lot of time thinking about what we're doing and is it going to hurt our author? I'll give you an example. People came to us two, three years ago and said, "Do you? why wouldn't you start a podcast. Everybody's doing podcasting. And the one thing you've got that everybody's looking for is connections and people and writers. You could have them lined up for years. We added that to our morning walk. I said, wait a minute. Sure, we could do it. And we've got this giant megaphone, but that's going to be competing with our writers. So rather than do that, we created a new channel, as you now know, it's called Global Cast Global 360. Cast 360. Well, we're not going to compete with Andy, but we're going to give Andy the benefit of our reach. 
And we've done a number of things like that where we put the writers first and the answer becomes clear. And we do think that that good karma, synchronicity, whatever you want to call it, Andy, it comes full circle. So we've really enjoyed the run. Dennis, I have to I have to just pick some of the last words that you said, which is we added that to our morning walk. And I think that that's <laughs> so powerful because as you're talking about this beautiful force that you've created in the world that's doing so much good and so it's it's so clearly driven by a a something larger that lives in you that lives in your wife that lives in all of us that that divinity that connection and you know i'm just going to tell the listeners i've said many times that dennis is the only enlightened person i've ever met dennis will never admit that but i have said i have said that but I think it's amazing that all of this just started on some walks and that it continues it, on these walks. And that's. But Andy, I know you're a runner and you know what it's like to have a runner's high. And you kind of get into that zone. We know, and I'm sure you share this, when you get away from all the noise, the clarity comes back. Yeah. What's, you know, you're not being interrupted, you're not checking your phone. And that's the beauty of having that walk where it's self, it's a little bit of self-care, I guess. And I'm sure that's, that's behind some of your, uh, your running just to get away from it all. Yeah. It's a connection to something deeper. And when you're talking exactly. about, redis- yeah. And uh, rediscovering humanity, I think that it's, you know, I, I think about the community. Dennis hosts the friendship bench every Thursday at 1130, which is this really wonderful space of human beings. And I started going to that at the beginning of the year for everybody that's listening. And, and I started talking to a bunch of them and, and they talked about how, you know, when the world paused in COVID, how those types of connections sprung up and it, it aligns very well with, with this concept of that connection to source in the quiet, like in the, the, peace in the quiet how you can connect to that deeper piece of humanity that we can't get when we're just in consumption mode and what i find marvelous is just how the hell all these humans found you like in in your (laughs) emanation of what you're putting out like can you give me like some semblance of how the fuck did these people still come in it? Like it's it's incredible. It's almost like it couldn't have been done by anything other than God or whatever you believe in. So, there's um, you know, there's no silver bullet there other than saying that um, the vast majority of the people that we know, many of them came through the writing channel. They came to us because they knew somebody that knew us that knew somebody else, and the best way to get writers is just bring them on. If Andy says to me, I know three people that can write, that's good enough for us. I trust Andy's opinion. And that's how it continues to multiply. And then once they sign up, they say, well, boy, I didn't know you did all this stuff. It's funny. Somebody, somebody wrote to me about this is probably a year and a half ago, one of our writers and said, Dennis, you know, I publish articles, but I've never really taken any time. And I went onto your site and my goodness, um, I don't know where to stop. And and she said, how do you know what you're doing? I said, first of all, we don't know what we're doing. But second of all, you've really raised a flag there because I take for granted 
that people know all these different rungs that we just keep growing like a octopus. So I wrote an article, which, as you probably know, I don't do very often, but I do for the for purpose. And it was really to talk about what's inside 360 Nation. And I sent that around the world. And it's amazing the response we get. Plus, we got more writers. Plus, more people came to the bench. Plus, 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 because we presumed that people have the time to visit a site and stroll. And we're a, we're a monster site when it comes to information. So little things like that come out of conversation, but that's part of our growth. And that's where people found us. And then, you know, they come to the right, then they come to the bench. And I think what they discover on the bench from what we're told, this is not my opinion. This is me asking people, why do you keep coming back? And what we hear consistently is, you know, everybody talks about safe spaces but I actually started out curious. I started out skeptical, much the way they start out skeptical when they think there's no catches on our website for writing. And then I realized, well, wait a minute, there are no catches. And then it became not something I would occasionally put on my calendar. It became like a business meeting. This is my me time. Because even, even if I don't talk, and Andy, I know you know this, sometimes people come in and they don't say a word. But they're taking that space, that self-care, that time to just listen and absorb. And maybe they're just having the kind of day they want to get away from it all. It's been remarkable to us because I would like to tell you we figured out a lot. We didn't. It just keeps morphing. And what what what's, we're really proud of is the growth of the bench over the last few years, part of which we think came from the pandemic where the world stopped and people started looking for something more. And maybe they don't know what that more is, but they got some other people they can talk about it without judgment. You know, with all the people, out, you know? yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it leads me to a question, and I'm sorry I started it prematurely, but as you've traveled the world and as you've really spent the time over the last 13 years doing this, what is that something more in your eyes? Oh, uh, well, I, that that's an easy answer for us because, and people think this is, crazy for lack of a better term something we did about six years ago um and i had so many people come to me and say you can't do that what was it we put a focus on self-care and i don't know if you've heard me tell this story on the bench because we're going to be doing this again next year in fact you're going to be one of the first to hear about it here today we were running 24-7 on this website because Andy grew from an idea to, oh, my God, look at the size of this thing. And, you know, we're really just a two-person operation. Yeah. Um, so it required a lot more time, good time, but time nevertheless. About six years ago, we were doing that morning walk again and said, you know, wouldn't it be nice to just not turn the lights up, but just take a break? And that morphed into an idea of saying, we're going to do that. Uh, and so I did what I would normally, I wrote an article and said, here's what we're up to. We're going to take, I forget what the dates were. I think it was November 15 to uh, February 15. We're going to take three months. Yes, we're still, the lights are, we're not shutting down the site and we've got it set up that it'll continue to rotate, but your new articles will just be held in queue. Now I had so many people say, are you nuts? You're going to lose your writers. You're going to lose. That wasn't about that. And let me tell you the turning point of why when we decided that, you know, I was struggling with it because I felt obligated to our writers after all these, you know, I said, we publish, we're going to stop. Oh, my God. But we saw some writing coming in occasionally about people talking about unplugging. And so many people say, I unplugged for a weekend. I plugged for a day. And yeah, and then I went back and I said to my wife, 
you know, we're talking about walking the talk here. We're talking about rediscovering humanity. If anybody should do what people say we shouldn't be doing, it's us. We've got to demonstrate that it's okay to unplug. And the final note was we're walking into a, we were walking, we went into a local coffee shop, one we had never been in before. We try to focus on the local ones to give them the business versus the Starbucks of the world. And we were ordering and I looked at the counter, there's a business card. If I was home, Andy, I'd be looking to my right because I have it up on a bulletin board. And it basically said one thing on the card. It said, self-care isn't selfish. And I said, that is divine intervention because if I was hesitating, that took me over the edge. We've used that quote many times. I wrote an article. We unplugged for three months. We did something pretty dramatic when it comes to travel, which I'll talk about in just a minute because we're going to do it again. And then I came back and I wrote an article because people said, well, how was it? Well, then it, I had to give them, I'll call it my journal of what went through my brain for three months. Absolutely remarkable experience. I'm not even sure if I answered your question, but gee, all I can well, tell maybe, you is we're going to do that's what it is, Dennis, because, you know, I've studied the Tao. I think you know that I'm a big fan of playing in the world of non-duality. And they say that the Tao that yeah. can be named yeah. is not the eternal Tao. And as I ask <laughs> you that question, you know, it's like, oh, there's all of this. And I don't know if I answered the question. And I'm like, and there it is right there. It's that. <laughs> it's that. Wow. And yet, as soon as I say that, it's out. Right. Like we can't even. But it is, it is a beautiful thing to to not have that dissonance and to be able to walk the the talk and not to use a phrase cheaply, but you, you know, I really see you as a human of tremendous integrity and there isn't, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say that I don't see a lot of people that way. And maybe, and then maybe that's, of course we just see ourselves. So maybe that is because I am lacking in it in some way, but truly like I, I see you as a human being that has a ton of integrity and, and, um, and everything you do is is so remarkable. And um, yeah, I think that that's wonderful that you led by example in that way. Um, did you want to talk about what you and Allie did when you decided to take that break? Or would yeah, you just, like... I'll, I'll give you the highlight because we're going to... Yes, I will. And thank you. I have to just keep saying that we're able to do this because we're blessed to be able to do it. If I had to do what most people do, I wouldn't have the time to do it or I'd have to get approval to do it. Um, and we really hold that that uh, ability high. Um, the article that I wrote last time, which will connect the dots here a little bit, when I came back, saying, now, what do you call an article when you went away for three months? And we decided to call it what the experience was, and we called it disconnecting to reconnect in search for in search of more with less, which means we took away all the baggage. We took away everything. We stripped ourselves down to just the two of us. And what we did, uh, which was inspired by some other people that we had talked to, is we walked uh, 200 miles across Spain and France. It's called the Camino de Santiago. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Uh -uh. It's, uh, it's a pilgrimage, literally, that's been around for over a century. It's called the Way of St. James. It's a little bit of a religious connotation. In fact, there was a movie that was, was uh, released about six or seven years ago with and uh, a little bit of synchronicity here. We had never heard of it, um, but we were traveling across America. I met with a friend of mine from banking that I hadn't seen in 30 years, somewhere in Phoenix, and we were heading to California to visit some relatives. And this is before we decided to take the time off. And John, his name was, 
said he was leaving to go on a long walk across Spain and all this. And he said, I'm going to do the Camino. We'd never heard of it. And it went on to tell us that um, his son, who was, I think, 17 years old, uh, died suddenly. And John was taking his ashes in an urn, and he was going to carry them across the entire Camino and drop them into the Adriatic Sea at the end. Very religious event to him. And we said, wow, that really sounds interesting. Because when I say a walk, this isn't uh, a roadway. This is through hills and mountains and villages and vineyards and nature. And it's completely undeveloped other than some markers. Well, we didn't know that then. So we left John. We went on to California. We uh, checked into a hotel, and across from us is a movie marquee, and it's uh, featuring a movie called The Way. And we said, there's something going on here. We went and saw the movie, and uh, we decided at that point we were going to make that our escape. We did it. We walked 200 and some miles. It wasn't without some danger and some adventures, which we wrote about in the article. Now, that was years ago. And... We came back different people, Andy. I can tell you, we when you're walking for miles and miles, and it's just the two of you, and there is no internet, and you have disconnected, every post-it note that I carry around was gone. What does that mean? It gives you the ability to start digging even deeper. You know, you live with each other 24-7. You think you talk. You know, it's a lot of it's sound bites. So we yeah. were digging deeper on everything from each other relationships when we went back, what we were going to change. And we came back, changed people. And I mentioned this in the article that, you know, our circle of what you and I might generally call friends went from this to this. And the reason yeah. I say that is I, I'm one of a large family. I've got eight brothers. I'm sorry, total of eight children, five brothers, three sisters all together. And we're all over the world, the country. I'm sorry. We grew up in Pittsburgh, but we all left. And we were we always talked to each other, but rarely. Some of them lost touch. We had friends, but the kind of friends, Andy, that you only hear from when they need something. It's always task oriented. Like I need a reference. I need a res. I need this. I, I need, need a testimony. So we came back and said, "I'm going to reach out to everyone who's in that large circle. Yeah. If it's friends and if it's friend, I'm sorry, if it's family, I'm going to reach out to each one of my brothers and sisters. And here's the message: I love you. You're my brother or you're my sister. I want to have a deeper relationship with you. I don't have any magic bullets here. I'm inviting you into our world. We don't have a roadmap. I'm going to do better. I'm just asking you to do better. We went out to friends. I'm sorry, the friends that we knew were real friends, as opposed to the ones that were kind of skipping across the friendship. We brought them closer. The ones that were skipping, we backed off of. Today, our circle is much smaller, but so much richer. Two of my siblings, the relationships have gone from almost nothing to we're living in each other's worlds now, so to speak. Yeah. Remarkable. But we wouldn't have had the time to think about that. And there's a lot of other reflection we had. Anyhow, that was six years ago, seven years ago. Right before the pandemic, we had made reservations to do it again. But we didn't want to do just 200 miles. We wanted to do the whole thing, which is 500 and some miles. Um, then came the pandemic, then the world crashed and everything was canceled and blah, blah, blah. And then well, you ended I'm up changing you, it in other ways, you know, like, I mean, look at it. Exactly. It just wasn't the plan. So I'm, telling you, I'm telling you what we haven't told anyone yet, but I'm starting to write the article because in December I'm going to release that. I want to give our writer six months that we're going to disconnect again. We're going to do it for at least two months. 
we're going to walk 500 miles and we're going to be completely disconnected wow. as we were years ago, but it's going to be a much longer, a much deeper walk. And I'm sure it'll turn out differently than it did last time because you just keep rediscovering different pieces of your life. Uh, last time I was concerned about this time. I can't wait oh, because wow. some of our best thinking goes when we're disconnected. So that's happening next year. And that's all tucked under the notion of self-care isn't selfish. And that gives us the energy to come back and do more good stuff. Right. I love the creation and I love the way that you've embraced that so deeply. That is amazing. I felt the power of it when you were speaking, which I don't say That's lightly true. because I'm, yeah, it was, it was very, it was very powerful and there's energy in the space that, that I can feel. And that's it's amazing. a remarkable, remarkable experience to do that and have the luxury of doing that. But uh, it all started with a couple of coincidences, meeting a friend who had done it. His son died watching a movie. There are we, no coincidences. We, we, yeah, we got the hint, in other words, and said, this is what we need to do. When we left on that trip, though, we had no, had no idea of doing something like that. And it just, uh, the star of that movie, by the way, was Martin Sheen. Um, and his son, Emilio Estevez, played in the movie. And it was a true story of a dentist that lived in California that, he had one son that had done everything right. One son was the wayward son, the radical that wanted to discover the world. And he was the hippie. His hippie son went over there, started to walk the Camino. And in the very first day of the walk, he died in an avalanche. Oh, wow. And so Martin, as part of this movie, Martin, the dentist, decided he was going to go over and get his son's ashes and bring them home. Turns out when he got there, he fell the experience and he decided i'm not going to get his ashes i'm going to wear his clothing carry his backpack and i'm going to walk the 500 miles and i'm going to take his ashes to the sea and um, uh anyhow no coincidences there's absolutely none. no not at all that that not was that's something you know just just the honor and i and i don't mean this to sound I don't even know how it's going to sound I don't really care um the honor to be able to sit with a human that's had that experience I mean I'm from Pennsylvania I'm not from uh western Pennsylvania I'm from northeastern Pennsylvania and I and the re the what I knew to be reality Dennis when I was growing up was people went to their jobs and they went home and they went to the grocery store and they went to Walmart and they drank beer and they generally hated existence and they didn't and, it, and I'm not like, there's no judgment for that, but I never, for me, there was always this understanding that there was more. And as I age and as time goes by, I notice that collectively that consciousness is becoming aware of that same thing. And I think that certain people just have that awareness early and are meant to be leaders and to be able to know one of those leaders and to be able to sit with one of those leaders is a, is a privilege for me really. And, and that, you know, it. You know, well, my really goodness, thank you for that. We think, and I, I've mentioned this before in various audits, we think that people are searching for something more. Came from the pandemic, you know, the younger generation and the great resignation, They, as we said, they want to have more than just a job. And the rest of the people are just searching, and I'm not sure we can deliver to them, but we can open their eyes to looking at the world a little differently. And it's not that hard from a practical standpoint. When you say to somebody, more love, more compassion, more listening, more the, all those fundamentals that kind of left the arena years ago. Um, so our pot of, uh, as my dear old Italian dad would say, my our pot of spaghetti is overflowing. There's so much we have in there that we can just keep rolling out. Beautiful. 
I want to, I want to touch on two words. You said love compassion. And I, and I would love to give you an opportunity to talk about your latest project, um, your, your book series about those living mm-hmm. unsheltered and the homeless. Cause I know that has been, uh, a, a, has touched you deeply in the recent months that we've been kind of connected. And, and if you could want to talk about that for the listeners, I know that, you know, maybe somebody that's listening I might will. want to be involved. Well, thanks so much, Andy. And I, I need to give you a little backstory on where that came from. We didn't wake up one morning and say, boy, we're going to write a book or we're going to partner a book. Where that came from is, you know, we had a gathering that you probably heard about. It was Encounter 360 here in Tampa last year. It was the first time we had ever brought people together under the 360 umbrella because being a former banker, I said I would never do a conference. I hated conferences. I had to go to them. It was glad handing, it was bureaucracy. It was PowerPoints. It was Leadership 101. And then came the pandemic, and then came our awareness that people had become isolated. And we learned that because we said, we're not going to be trapped in Tampa, stop traveling. We're going to get on a train, and we're going to go from Tampa to California and back. And we're going to meet people, people that write for us and others. And what we learned on that trip, this was a little over a year ago, it was April of last year. We learned things that we didn't know. And that was, boy, Zoom calls are nice, but isn't a handshake or a hug magical? If Andy and I live 10 miles from each other, are we so isolated now or lazy that we would rather do a Zoom versus Andy and I go out for a beer or coffee? We were sensing that people were isolated for two different reasons. One, because the government said you had to be. And number two, because it was easier. And we've gotten comfortable with the technologies. We learned that in this trip. So I came back and I said to my wife, I'm going to say something I said I'd never do. She said, what's that? I'm going to do, I'm not going to mention the C word, but it's going to be something like a conference. And so that's where the word encounter came from. We said, we want to bring people together with one thought, handshakes and hugs and get out of your offices and get out of your cocoons. And we're going to create an agenda that has nothing to do with business. Now, that was the theory. Put it together, blah, blah, blah. It worked. We had a great gathering. But what came from that was this. That was in March of this year. Um, People came to us immediately. They said, well, gee, that was great. Are you going to do it every year now? Is there going to be a number two and a number three? And we took a morning walk again, said, let's think about that. So I said to the people that had come, I said, give us three months. We want to think about it because, frankly, we got to decompress. It took us nine months to put this together. We didn't hire anybody. We did it ourselves. And it was exhausting, but in a positive way. Give us three months to think clearly, and we're going to tell you what our decision is. Three months later, when the question came up, are you going to do it again? We said, no. And I said, no. And they said it would be easier because you've already kind of built the thing now. You know what to do. You just have to change the name of the speakers. I said, no, we're not going to do it. And they said, why? I said, because I think it will be, I think it would be, or we think it would be inconsistent with our idea of rediscovering humanity. What does that mean? Well, we did it last year. We had 50 kindred spirits together. They're already, they already understand the ethos we're talking about. They already understand. That's why they came. They wanted to rediscover. So we can preach to the same choir every year. But where are we going with that? I said, I want to go bigger, deeper. I'm going to do something else. I said, I would never do. Number one, I'm going to become a keynote speaker. I used to speak when I was in banking, but I wasn't looking to become it. I said, but I've got to put myself out there. And my my deal for keynote speaking, which I've now, thank goodness, I told you, I've got my first one in New York coming up. I will go anywhere in the world to bring the humanity message. All you have to do is get me there. And if you intend to pay me, thank you, but give it to a local charity and we'll tell you which charity is a good one. 
because the, the idea is to keep with our economic ethos is we're not going to do anything for money, but I think it's time to take this message into corporate America. The people that have, you know, that they're not taught how to bring culture. I'm talking about humanity culture. Yeah. So I want to put myself out there and if they're brave enough to do, we'll do. So that was step one. We'll do that. And second of all, we wanted to, um, continue doing things that were just a little bit different. And that's where this thing came of uh, this book. I was approached by Peggy, who you know, Peggy Wilms, right after this gathering in Tampa. And she said, you know, I was driving home and I had to drive off the road and think about this because I was so worked up over the fact of what you were doing with the charities and the good works and donating. She said, we need to do something with homelessness. And I said, you know what? Let me go think about that. So we did our morning walk. Did another walk. We, about, <laughs> we did a lot of walking. We did. A, we talked about our capacity. You know, we're doing all these other things. Do we have the capacity to commit to a book? You you know what that takes, the hours. Not writing it, but being part of the thing that puts it together, particularly an anthology. And two days later, I, I got in touch with um Peggy, I said, yes, we'll do that. And she said, well, boy, that was a turn. I said, I never said no. I said, let's think about it. And we talked about it and said, that just fits so nicely into the humanity bucket. We've never done it. It's different. And what attracted to me to it, which we'll get into now, is that we weren't going to write a book about humanity. We were going to have the people on the street write the book for us, which means, as you know, it's either people living on the street that are prepared to share their voices people that have been on the street and come off the street sharing their voices, people whose family have been interrupted, Im impacted by on the street, et cetera, et cetera, nonprofits involved in reaching out to the homeless. That's how I got started. That's how I got sucked in. And uh, wow, I've learned so much about, I said to Allie this morning, my wife, my head's exploding. I know too much about homeless. On one hand, I'm excited that we can bring these voices to the table. On the other hand, I'm embarrassed that we haven't done something sooner about it because it fits like a glove. And I, I should emphasize the book is called Unsheltered for a reason. Uh, it's Voices from the Street. Because the first thing we did was we looked at the word homeless. And Andy, you and I have talked about this. If you say homeless to somebody, what comes to mind? Well, they think of some scraggly old middle-aged guy uh, unshowered, unshaven, uh, asking for money. And that's the typical American response. And I've tested that question with a lot of people I know. So we said, look, we're going to shift that. Take away the negative, call it unsheltered. And as I did the research, we learned that unsheltered is a more neutral, it's a wider net. It's not just right. about housing. It's about people sleeping in the back of a car in an abandoned places you just shouldn't be living. Right. So we started with the notion of unsheltered. And um, that be began the process of changing the narrative because we want people to start out neutral, not with a negative feeling. And as you know, we've done a lot of work on debunking the myths, as we call. So people think they're lazy. People think they're on the street by choice. Think of, people think this, this, and this. They're just they're dangerous. Um, but what people fail to realize is it could happen to them. I read a statistic recently that seven out of 10 Americans are one paycheck away from homeless. Mm. The other thing I'll point out to this that attracted to us, like everything else we do, it's a for good project, which means, yeah, there's expenses to put it together. But Peggy and I have agreed 
If it loses money, we'll cover that. If it makes money, the excess will be donated to a, a good nonprofit that's actually serving the homeless. So it comes full circle again. And the other thing we said is this can't just be America. There's homeless around the world. We want to reach out around the world and speak for the homeless around the world. And so that's where we started. It's only been, well, announced within the last couple of weeks. And it's like that gathering in Tampa. It's fully consuming, but so satisfying. I bet. I bet. What do you, this is a question that I had for you and, and in relation to this project, but also just in a larger scope, what would you say you need right now from, from all of us? Wow. Well, that's a tough question. You know, it's, I say that because rarely do I get that question. I get a lot of deep questions, but since I don't approach life that way, looking for something from other folks, I'm not sure I've got a cliche answer for you. Um, my larger answer has always been just help us rediscover humanity. Now, I don't know what all your skills are, Andy, but I know you've got the ability to impact people, homeless people in particular. We've talked about that. Help us achieve that objective and we've learned over many years you know the idea of rediscovering humanity boy it is a, it's an uphill climb and there have been people that have not only thrown stones at us so to speak but want to cut your legs off because the moment you open that door you can't really close it right you can hide from it um so i know i i didn't mean to dodge your question my only you ask is that people people come follow our journey not that man, i'm leading it but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand some people, somebody said uh, not long ago, you know, you talk about uh, rediscovering humanity and doing more. I don't know what more is. Now that goes back to that assumption. Once again, when we say it, that people know what rediscovering humanity is. So what did I did? I wrote an article and I said, okay, here's what we mean. I'm going to give you 16 things that you can do starting tomorrow. Um, and we're going to publish this, and this goes back a couple of years. And if you have any other ideas, once you read this, write to us. That list is now up to, I think, 37 things, and it could be a once-a-month thing, but it started out with something as simple, Andy, as, okay, let's talk about compassion. Let's talk about loneliness. How about this? Andy, when we're done talking today, pick up the phone and call somebody that you know is a shut-in, as they say. They're either elderly, um, widowed, what have you, and their only contact with the world is if they're lucky enough that somebody knocks on their door and talks to them or a relative that may call occasionally. Pick up the phone and call them. And don't, don't do it with any type of ask. Do it just to say, how are you? And then shut up, as I've said to many people, and listen. Just let Margaret, your next-door neighbor, who hasn't heard from you in a long time, tell you how she is. Now, she may go through her aches and pains. She may go through the weather. It doesn't matter. But do you know the difference you made in that lady's life? And that's when the light bulb started going off, Andy. People said, wow, it's just that simple. Well, we didn't invent that. We do it because when we deliver meals to people here locally, we understand when we bring that meal to the door, it ain't about the food. It's about seeing Dennis and Allie because we may be the only person they see that day. So many of these people we deliver meals to here in Tampa, uh, they put the food aside. They want to sit down and chat for 15 minutes. And we'll do that because we're enriching their lives as opposed to just their uh, need for food. 
You know, what's interesting as you say that, and just because you know about me and my, my policy of radical honesty, um, is that when you said, you know, pick up the phone and call someone and just ask how they are, my immediate response internally was, I don't want to do that. And it's such an interest. And again, yeah, and it's so interesting because just this morning I sent a, a message to somebody. Uh, his mother used to work for my mother and we haven't been in contact in a number of years. And she, his mother passed away and I found out and I and I sent my condolences. And I did that because I felt compelled. But it, in a way, it was about him, but it was also about me. It was also about my ego and and wanting to to do the right thing and, and all of that. And what you asked just now pick up the phone, call somebody, just say, how are you? All of a sudden, and this is just the internal process that's going on, and I'm working through this out loud with you because I think that a lot of the yeah. listeners will will relate to this, is if I say to do this and we get that feeling of, I don't want to, I don't have time, that'll this, that'll that. And the thing is, I do have time. I have all the time. I have all the time in the world. What? <laughs> I work, what, what else would I be doing with my time? And so then you think, okay, well, it's not about time. Well, then what is it about? And then, and, and a lot of the time, I think what it really is about is not wanting to, not wanting to give, only wanting to take. And you're probably right. Yeah. You know, the other thing I just scribbled down as you were talking, and this is even much simpler than what I just said. We got involved in an organization years ago out of Philadelphia, a lady named, um, geez, her last name is Ross, Beth Ross. And she said, we're going to do something we've never done before. But let me tell you the backstory, Dennis, because I think this would fit with you. And what she works for a PR firm in, in uh, Philadelphia. And she was in a supermarket one day and behind somebody. And she noticed that this lady was kind of depressed almost teary-eyed and she she didn't do anything some people would say well let me pay for your groceries she didn't want to do that because she didn't want to insult this lady but she she went out to the parking lot the lady was loading her car and beth kept thinking about it and she said you know i need to do something so she took out her business card and on the back of it she wrote two words you matter and she handed that card to this lady and she said boy the tears just started flowing and she said, I'm going to go home and do something with that. Today, this is years later, one of the largest, I'll call it nonprofit movements around is called the You Matter Marathon. And it ain't about running. It's about handing out that little You Matter card free of charge to the world. Last year, I think 1.5 million cards were handed out around the world. We got involved in that. But then we took it a step further and we said to people now, and I carry these cards with me when I travel, I'll hand them to people. We'll, and not to go on about this, we were just traveling across Europe and we were specifically focused on homeless because our awareness is up because we're working on this thing. And we started looking at homeless people differently. So we might want to take an, uh, an, a picture of them because, as you know, some of the pictures tell the stories that you don't write a word. Right. So we decided we do two things. We're going to give them something to nourish them, to thank them just for their attention, because, as you know, many of them feel invisible. So yeah. just Dennis or Ali saying to them, good morning, not that it is a good morning for you. And the second thing it is, we handed them a You Matter card. And you think we get some of them, you think it was Christmas morning, not yeah. because of the food. It was just the attention because they're invisible. 
So uh, that you matter thing stuck with us over the years. We continue to participate. But simple things like that. If you called somebody and said, I know we haven't spoken in a while. I just want you to know you matter in my life. Yeah. And then see what they say. What the hard part is dead silence. See what they say. I can tell you here in Great Britain, that's a hard thing to do because the British are very reserved. When oh, I yeah. first met my sister, when I first met my relatives or my sister-in-law, and I stepped up being the typical Italian guy that's gonna hug you, I could see her freeze. Guess what? Today she hugs back. But yeah, wow. To say to her, I said to her tomorrow, you matter. She would truly be thrown off kilter. But that's all right. I experiment with it because I want people to get comfortable. It's okay, even if you're British, to use those two magic words, particularly if you're not just saying it, you're meaning it. So if you don't yeah. know what to say to that person when you call them, other than how's your day going, I just called to say you matter. But you got to have the courage to stop talking and listen then. And then, as you've heard from people on the bench, dig deeper. When she talks about this or that, dig deeper, inquire, make her feel like you're, because you are really listening. Yeah. Or him. Or her. I think a lot of us, you know, particularly on the bench and in that community, you know, we're in that work. So we're, we're working with, with people on a deeper level and, and that's comfortable. But when I first started coaching like that, like that intimacy, you'd think that it's easy because when you have it with your, like I have a, a close intimacy with many of my friends and I worked in a, in a job for a long time that was very intimacy, like very forced intimate. Um, but when you're with people that you don't really know too well, you know, it, it's something that you've got to condition your nervous system to do and it can absolutely and and do it like but it it will feel uncomfortable the first time kind of like you're talking about when you met your sister-in-law and i know about the english yeah. rick kate fox uh anthropologist wrote a book called <laughs> watching the english i don't know if you're familiar with it but it's it's hilarious yeah. about about all of that um but really yeah, to be able to condition your own nervous system first and, and knowing that the first time that you say those words to somebody, it's going to feel weird. You know, I think it was I think it was Meatloaf's song, First Cut is the Deepest, The First Call is the Hardest. But you kind of said that once you do that once, it becomes easier and easier. And it feels good. And the ripple effect on their life, you can't imagine that yeah. Andy took the time to call me. Um, and it's, as I said, in my case, it brought some relationships alive, family and friends and all that, because um, most people call with a reason, you know, other than I just want you to know I'm thinking about you and you matter. So, Dennis, I have a, just like one or two more questions, probably two, but this, this is one that's on my mind just out of genuine curiosity. Is there anything that you're afraid of? No. No, and you know, normally when I hear that question, uh, it speaks to mortality. But uh, and you know, I, I'll get in a little into religion. I was raised Catholic. I didn't know why I was going to church. They were still talking in Latin. Eight of us children were lined up in the pew. I never knew when to stand up, when to sit down. I didn't understand why I was even there, other than my parents were strict Catholic Italians, and you had to go. So we ticked all those boxes. I left home, as did all my brothers and sisters. We all ventured into the world. I came back to being just a Christian. I'm a believer, but there's not any particular channel of, of faith I'm doing. But I say to many people, and they say, you know, why are you always in such an upbeat mood? And good question. Are you afraid of anything? I said, no, because I know the rest of the story. 
I'm comfortable. I'm living a good life. I'm giving back what I can. I'm blessed with a um, fairy tale relationship is the best way I can describe it. And um, so now I'm, I'm not really afraid of anything. That answer. That good answer question. Just, yeah. Good wow. question. I've never heard that. God bless you. I, I, I'm a little bit speechless at the moment, which is not a, not a great <laughs> way to be when you're trying to wrap up a podcast, but for the, but I mean, really, I wish you, I wish you, this Go is on. when you move to multiple choice questions. <laughs> no, I mean, and honestly, this is not going to be edited out. I really want my listeners to know that that, that is something that I, I don't know if I've ever heard because I know the rest of the story. And, and that is, there's beauty in that. And, and I think so many of us are looking for that peace. And, and I, and I think that there's a lot that you've said in this episode that, that will give us a good start, you know, go inward, get quiet, take walks, disconnect, call someone, say you matter, yeah. ask, how are you? I mean, these are for every, you know, book that gets released. And I'm not talking about the, the book that you're doing. I'm talking about like yeah. our age of information, the age of consumerism. We're looking for the next how-to. I, you know my my war on the how-to articles. <laughs> and <laughs> how-to, how-to, how-to. Everyone's going how-to, how-to, how-to. And yet it's this simple thing. It's kind of like when you just eat simple food and your body looks and feels good. And we're always looking for the most, you yes. know, the the the. J- the modified type of nutrients. And yet it's just, just eat the food, just eat the fruit right from the tree. Like before they've processed the fruit, before they've dried the fruit, added sugar to the fruit, colored the fruit, just eat the fruit from the tree. Like that is so beautiful. And um, yeah, I just, I'm really, uh, I'm really honored that you were here today and I wanted to thank you. And I wanted to just ask you if you have anything, anything that you want to close with, anything that you want the listeners to know about you or how to find you or, or what they can do to help in your mission, well, any, anything at all. Thanks for that. Two thoughts. Obviously, since we're so focused now on our next chapter in humanity and that's homeless, um, there's a website people can go to that will give you the backstory and everything you'd ever want to know about what I was talking about when it comes to not just looking at this, but becoming a part of it. It's rare that you come upon anybody that hasn't been touched by homeless in some fashion. So it's allthingswellness.com slash unsheltered. And somewhat related to, let me just close. You know, I, I as you know, I, I gravitate towards quotes because I always believe there's so many people out there can say things so much better than me and probably with 30 less words. So <laughs> I read one recently and I just thought it was perfect. And that is, most people never really take the time to understand a homeless person, but every homeless person is a real person. They just have a different story. Dennis, that's beautiful. And that's the story. That's the stories we want to tell. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing yourself and your mission with, with me on view from the roof. And uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Dennis, for being here. My pleasure being here. It's, it's an experience talking to you because you don't have what I'll call the can questions. And I love that because it becomes a conversation, not an interrogation. And it puts me, it makes me think. And I really appreciate that because I go deeper than that than I normally do. So thank you for that, Andy. And let's, let's do this again. Yeah, let's do it. That would be great. 
And that about does it for this week's episode of View from the Roof. If anyone is interested in anything we talked about in this episode, feel free to check out the show notes for all of the corresponding links. Thank you to Dennis Patoko for your time and your wonderful energy in being on the show today. I will be back next week with another episode. Until then, take care of yourselves. Stay safe. Stay beautiful. I'm Andy Scarantino, and I'll see you next time. Oh,